So glad we're together here, noon to 2, live on 760 WJR, which means you can stream us live easily at WJR.com, Alexa, or Google Home. You can get the WJR app, which is a good thing to do. And if there's something you missed, or maybe the whole show you'd like to hear for the first time or again, go to thegreatvoice.com, thegreatvoice.com for the podcast of the show. It's a kind of a, just a ugh, kind of a day, uh, what you might expect for the 23rd day of January, this Tuesday, and uh, a very busy New Hampshire with uh, what's going on there. We'll be all about that, get our reports all together here. Dave Rieger, our producer, standing ready. Danielle Mason, pressing all the buttons, the controls, Rich Luzinski, our WJR traffic and weather first, and we heard a moment ago from Renee that that traffic conditions were getting better. Well, that's good, because it doesn't look better. It looks kind of ominous and gray and slippery. So what, what is the, uh, let me just see what the current temperature is at the moment, rather than guess. Uh, the current temperature is... Uh, about 34 degrees, 34 degrees for Detroit, and um, my uh, weather app is showing snow right now, but I don't see any snow. It says snow for the next hour. Yesterday I saw it when we were coming on the air. It was nice, big, fluffy snow and turned into snain, snow and rain, as uh, the old Sonny Elliott would call it. Right now it shows snow with 34 degrees. I'm, I'm still waiting for it. Don't see it. But a high of 37, a low of 31 for the day. And, uh, and wow, so it begins. A robocall using artificial intelligence. A robocall using artificial intelligence to mimic President Joe Biden's voice is urging voters in New Hampshire to skip the state's pivotal pivotal primary today. Tracking data suggests up to 25,000 fraudulent calls were made to residents across the Granite State as investigators quickly try to find the identity of the caller behind the scheme. Now, uh, do you know, Dave Rigger, how they figured out it was a, a, a fake a AI robocall? How did they figure it out? Uh, the guy pretending to be President Joe Biden spoke flawlessly without hesitation or forgetting what he was saying. <laughs> okay. Thank you. <laughs> I was hoping there was a laugh there somewhere. Yeah. Come on, Danielle. Don't Danielle laugh. Well, it's not going to work. No. Nah. I don't think she's been in a laughing mood lately, and who can blame her? Who can blame her? All right. So anyway, uh, that's what we're hearing. Very busy uh, in New Hampshire. We'll have people reporting from there and giving us uh, all the the information that we need uh, coming up. We'll also uh, we'll speak with the new head of the Michigan Republican Party, I think. I can't say this for sure. But former Ambassador Pete Hoekstra was selected to lead the Michigan GOP. But has that been uh, officially accepted, or has that been uh declined as a rogue group that can't pick the head of the the Michigan Republican Party. You have any idea, Rieger? Cause no, I not I, yet. I, I think it's still kind of just in the pro, in process right now. All right. Well, we'll speak to uh, former congressman, former ambassador, 
Pete Hoekstra. Always enjoy speaking with him. He's coming up in just a couple of minutes, about 1218 or so. The Dow has topped 38,000 for the first time. Most stocks rose on Wall Street yesterday to build on its all-time high reached last week. The Dow Jones Industrial Average topped 38,000 points for the first time after rising 138.01 or 0.4%. And so that's where that goes today. I'm sure David Sowerby will have something to say about that. Uh, in the next day or two. Is he on today, or, or is that later in the week? Um, probably, maybe trying to L- get him on later for t- in the week. maybe tomorrow. Yeah, okay. So we'll uh, we'll make sure to do that. I reached out to the mayor, and I always hear back from him. I have not heard back from him so far regarding his very excited uh, announcement of how great it was to invest in Detroit real estate. I watched him say... Uh, that at least for the last three years, there wasn't anything you could invest in, stock market, whatever, gold, uh, that gave the return that Detroit real estate has given. So I know he's very excited about that. We'll look forward to uh, talking with him about it eventually here. We will uh, be talking with the governor. Three of our shows are going to be in Lansing Thursday, well, Wednesday, I I think uh, Chris is there Wednesday, a preview of the State of the State Address. And then JR Morning and Focus will be there the next day, Thursday, after the State of the State. And I'm sure we'll all speak to the uh, governor best uh, we can to uh, see what's going on. And now the newspaper is saying, this is the Detroit News, says, Governor preps to address state mired in challenges. So uh, uh, there's always something, and we'll see what that's uh, what's all about. I, I have to turn to you again, Mr. Rieger. Um, sports headline, Detroit News. Clock management raises questions. Detroit dropped the ball at the end of the game, but Tampa Bay let it off the hook. I hope this is not just another one of those, let's try to find something bad about our team, even when they're doing better than they've done ever. No, it was really more of a question of why Tampa Bay was not calling timeouts. And the so Tampa, that wasn't and, our and, fault. And the Tampa Bay coach explained, you know, why he did not decide to do that because Detroit would have just kicked a field goal anyway and gone up by 10, and there would have only been maybe a couple, you know, 12 seconds left at the end of it anyway. So, yeah, that it's a uh, – but, you know, there was a, a potential if, let's say, they were calling the timeouts – and then they try to kick a field goal and missed, it might have given Tampa Bay a chance to come back and potentially tie the game. I might have liked football better when people didn't apparently think so much. Well, you know, analytics have gotten into the game of football. I, I just which wrote is why, down the word analytics to yeah, point which out. Which is why so many coaches go on fourth down now. You yeah, know, so yeah. it's, a, it's, a whole different, uh, it's a whole different game now. It's as if the coach on the sideline doesn't necessarily have to be watching what's going on on the field. Just has to be watching the facts, figures, numbers, crunching, and well, most uh, most football teams have a guy. You know, they they have a a group of people. This guy's up in job, the booth. Yeah, this guy's job is clock management. This guy's job is challenges. This guy's job is uh, analytics. So you've got you've got a whole collection of people that help out that help the head coach.
This was, uh, you know, this is this is the new NFL. This is, and yet you, you know, can baseball's still been have, doing it forever. So, but and yet you can still have ten players or twelve players on the field with all those people being paid to Correct. keep track of all that. Correct. Yeah, a lot. There's a lot that goes into it. Sometimes I think too much. I don't know. Um, I. You guys can't relate to this. I can, and I'm sure our listeners can. You know, in the in the good old days, uh, kids would spend the night at their friend's house, and I don't think people thought much of it. But now some parents are very anxious about letting a child stay in another home. And so there was a whole story Sunday in the New York Times with the headline, Sweetie, I'll be back to pick you up at 2 a.m. So they could be there for a slumber party, but they weren't going to slumber there all night. And I fully understand that. Because, first of all, I wouldn't let my child go to somebody's house I didn't know or trust, but I still believe that I was always more careful than anyone else because I'm a worrier and I have the smoke detectors, the the radon detectors, the the all gases, uh, uh, carbon monoxide detect. I, you know, it was crazy. You sleep at my house, you're sleeping in Fort Knox. But you don't have kids, and uh, and Danielle, you don't have kids. So, do you understand the concern of parents, though? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it is a National Pie Day. Danielle, your favorite pie? Ah, <laughs> uh, key lime pie. It is on the list of the top ten favorite types of pie in the United States. As it should be. Mr. Rieger. Uh, a tie between uh, blueberry and cherry. Both are on the list. My uh, my favorite uh, would be cherry pie, warm with a little vanilla ice cream, and pecan pie. But I also like key lime pie. Here's the top ten list. I don't know who made the list, but... The number one pie, though, in the U.S. now is a cream pie. That I would not have guessed. Followed by pumpkin pie, certainly bolstered by the uh, holiday. Then lemon meringue pie. Number four is apple pie, followed by cherry pie, pecan pie, key lime pie, peach cobbler. You count that as a pie, do you? Sweet potato pie, which is very good. And blueberry pie, number 10. But they say that pies are not number one in terms of desserts. Chocolate chip cookies are number one as desserts. So what are America's favorite desserts? Throw a couple out here. Chocolate chip cookies are number one. All right, I'll throw them out. Cheesecake, ice cream, s'mores, and apple pie. Yet apple pie was listed as fourth in the pie race. I don't know who can figure this out. I don't know who puts these things out. I just like to see what it's all about on this National Pie Day. It's your excuse to have a little pie as we continue. Well, I, I appreciate my friend Matt Loria. He got the AI joke and laughed, even though uh, a couple of people who will not be mentioned right now were kind of dead silent. It was crickets all over the place on the AI joke. Oh, no. Yeah. You see, you, I hear you in the background. You have to turn your mic on because no one else can hear you. And the joke was, a, this, this part is true. 
A robocall using artificial intelligence to mimic President Joe Biden's voice is urging voters in New Hampshire to skip the state's pivotal primary today. Tracking data suggests up to 25,000 fraudulent calls were made to residents across the Granite State as investigators quickly tried to find the identity of the caller behind the scheme. And I said, and you know how they figured out that it was AI and a robocall uh, of artificial intelligence? President Biden spoke flawlessly. There we go. Oh, the drummer's back. Well, that, that, that's helpful. Thank you, uh, Danielle. That's very helpful. Um, all right. Uh, and, and thanks, Matt Loria, for weighing in and, and giving me confidence to continue the show for the day. All right. Uh, a guy I respect and have for a long time is on the other end of our line, and I've been dying to ask a question I'm going to ask him. He is uh, Congressman Peter Hoekstra. He, a member of uh, the Republican Party, of course, served uh, as the U.S. Representative for Michigan's 2nd Congressional District from 1993 to 2011. Was it that long ago? And uh, he's an ambassador, former ambassador to the Netherlands. That was from uh, January 10th, 2018 to January 17, 2021. And now it's been announced that he's been selected to lead the Michigan Republican Party. Congressman, Ambassador, Party Leader, Hoekstra, welcome back to the Paul W. Smith Show. Uh, hey, great to be with you, Paul W. Well, it's great to have you here, even though you're not going to like the first question I'm asking. What the hell has happened to the Michigan Republican Party? Well, what's happened, Paul, is we had a contractor providing us with artificial intelligence. And, uh, you know, the contract was withdrawn, and we have not been able to access artificial intelligence for the last 13 months. What in the world are you talking <laughs> about? That's your I'm joke? Talking... <laughs> <laughs> wow, you that was quick us. on your feet. You know, you know us as politicians, man. We hear a funny joke, and we'll steal it immediately. <laughs> okay. All right, good. Well, now that the ice has been broken, and trust me, there's a lot of ice around here, it's yeah. just been, it's been, and you know this, my goodness, Peter, you know this, it's been embarrassing. Uh, it, it absolutely has. Uh, and that's why on January 6th, uh, the Republican State Committee took the vote, uh, extraordinary vote, uh, to remove a state party chair. And then on January 20, uh, that same state committee uh, came back and selected me uh, to be the state party uh, state party leader uh, leading into the November election. So that's where we are. But, uh, you know, we're, we're back on the road to getting focused on, you know, building party unity, raising the dollars that we need to, and uh, winning elections in November. The Republican Party is back. Are you not in the middle of a fight of legitimacy? Uh, right now, but I think that's going to be a very short uh, fight uh, on Saturday. You know, <laughs> Vance, Vance Patrick was called by the Trump team and said, hey, we want Pete Hookster as our chairman. Vance threw his support to me. Uh, Vance and I have, you know, uh, we, we've come together uh, to make sure that we're focused in, uh, on, on November. It's a great relationship that Vance and I have. The other candidate in the race, Lena Epstein, same thing. We're united there. 
<laughs> we do have a, you know, we do have to deal with uh, Christina. But when Paul, you, you know this, when the president comes out and says, "This is who I want as my candidate," uh, this is this is the candidate that I want to be the chairperson. We're going to get uh, we're going to get a decision from the RNC pretty soon. Uh, hopefully, you know, real soon that they recognize me as the chairman. At that point in time, you know, if we have to go into a, the courts, uh, the courts will recognize that. Uh, I'm hoping that uh, with those two decisions, uh, Christina and her group will step aside and say, we're going to be focused. Uh, we want to help Pete win because we all want to reelect uh, a Republican president in November. We want to elect a Republican senator. We haven't had one of those for Michigan in a long time. Uh, and we want to... Uh, we want to take back the state house, and that's the vision that we have, and we will talk about the issues and move forward. So let's go back a little further and say, sure. how did Christina get into this position in the first place without support, or if she had support, when did she lose it? Uh, she had support, uh, obviously, roughly 13 months ago at the state convention. Uh she lost it over the last 12 months. A number of the people that were at the January 6th meeting that were at the meeting on January 20 were Christina supporters. But what they recognize, what they've seen is that the skill that she might have brought to the, you know, to the podium giving a speech didn't translate into the leadership that's needed to build a party, the organizational leadership uh, necessary to, you know, to put, together, to put together the infrastructure of money, uh, a plan to, to win elections. And so uh, they, they said, hey, she lost support over the last uh, number of months, and they tried to work with Christina, uh, and they, they didn't see the development of a plan, so they said, we, we need to make a change. And so uh, that's, what, that's what's happened. Well, what we've learned uh, and what Christina has learned and everyone now knows is the it seems to be the primary job of a state leader of a party is in fact to raise money and bring the money people together to to do that. Uh, we also learned though that uh, at least the last time around with Ambassador Ron Weiser, he was spectacular at raising money as he has done in the past nationwide. But he also threw in millions of his own dollars, and I'm. I'm just wondering if that's going to be the pattern from now on, and are are you prepared to do that? The uh, as you said in the introduction, I spent 18 years in Congress. Uh, at least for me, my time in Congress uh, did not prepare me to or put me in a position where I can be writing checks for millions of dollars to uh, to any organization. Talk to talk to Hunter Biden and his father; they can help you with that. Maybe, but it, it's too late. I'm not going back to elected office. I'll get, I'll help others get elected, but uh, I'm not going down that route. This is a, <laughs> a nine-month singular focus for me to help us win in November. Does that mean that once you are able to accomplish that, you feel that you've done your your job and you'll move on? I'll move on. I'll keep working, but I'm not getting back on the ballot. No, of course not. Yeah. Well, it's good to hear from you, and I hope you'll stay in touch with us, and I wish you good yep. luck so that we can uh, get some semblance of a Republican Party back in the great state of Michigan. 
we will have that. We will be a worthy competitor to the Democratic messaging this fall. Thanks, Paul. Great to talk to you. Always nice talking with Congressman, Ambassador, all-around nice guy, Peter Hoekstra, here with Paul W. Smith in Focus on WJR. Well, there are many stories out there. Then, of course, there are the stories behind the stories. Ryan Schmelz, Fox News correspondent, WJR contributor here. As the, it turns out, they, they have forensic proof that the House January 6th committee deleted more than 100 encrypted files days before the GOP took the majority. Now, we already know that through their editing, they changed what President Trump said that day in his speech, and they got away with it because the mainstream media went along with it because it's been a whatever we have to do to stop Trump, we'll do it kind of a situation from the moment this all began. So now the former House Select Committee has been caught red-handed breaking the law. Ryan Schmelz, fill in the details here, if you would. All right, where do we start, Paul W.? At the beginning of them lying and cheating. All right, so you remember House Republicans took back the House, so the expectation was that this uh, January 6th committee was going to be fizzled out, and it was. So the House Administration Committee established a, a – well, they already had an oversight committee, but they decided they were going to look at uh, security failures on January 6th but also look at actions of the January 6th committee. So essentially when they went through this, they, they found these 100 or so encrypted uh, files, and after getting a forensic team to look at them, they were able to uh, uh, essentially get access to them. But what they need now is passwords so that they can unlock these and look at what's ultimately in them. Uh, your your whole last sentence broke up, but uh, but what – what I'm feeling and thought as soon as I read this was clearly they didn't reach out to Hillary Rodham Clinton and learn how to delete files properly. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, they're trying to get the password, Paul, so that they find out what's on these. And, and, you know, Chairman Benny Thompson, who was, I guess, the former chairman of this committee, has not responded to our request for comment. We haven't heard back from him yet about if he's going to cooperate or not. Well, this is just, you know, and has this been the front page story anywhere? Not that I've seen. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's gotten a lot of press attention as of right now. I haven't really to see that just yet. But, yeah, I mean, a lot of the focus seems to be on the New Hampshire primary and the uh, ongoing border negotiations. We had to point out oftentimes during this whole uh, fiasco that they were editing what the president said and leaving out anything that was positive and that would take the uh, the spotlight off him causing the problems that happened that day. And uh, it became obvious that uh, Pelosi's select committee went to great lengths to prevent Americans from seeing certain documents produced in their own investigation. They, the bottom line is you do a, an investigation, and when you find things that go against the narrative you've already decided to pursue – you just don't let people know about it. I, this is something that used to, would infuriate people and cause all kinds of trouble. Doesn't seem to be doing that at all right now. Well, and I don't think it's the last we've seen of this committee. You know, Speaker Johnson has said that he's going to be putting more resources into this. Um, and obviously, they've gotten a lot of uh, 
you know, maybe pushed to the back of the line when it comes to exposure because you've know, got the Oversight Committee investigating Hunter Biden and President Biden and launching an impeachment inquiry. You've got uh, Alejandro Mayorkas, the Homeland Security Secretary, facing impeachment from House Republicans. So this one may have taken a little bit of a backseat. And you also got, remember, Dr. Fauci coming to Congress, too, and, and investigations related to COVID and the origins of COVID. So there's a number of different reasons why this might not be getting the press attention that, that Republicans want, but this might be a, a movement in that direction of this being a lot more uh, exposed. Well, we all deserve to know the truth, and we have been denied it. And it is something that in the past, the news media, other than just Fox, would step up and say, hey, hang on a second here. This is a, this is a wrong. This information has clearly been doctored, and they tried to remove it because it didn't play into their narrative. And let's get to the bottom of this. But there's not going to be that kind of a hue and cry because we already know that the strong membership of the Democrat Party includes the, uh, the lame street, main street media uh, who built up Donald Trump, made Donald Trump what he is today. Whether people like to hear that or not, it's the truth. I know I was in New York when it was happening, and any time he called a press conference for anything, having nothing to do with running for any office, but just he'd run a press conference. They loved him. They elevated him. And then they decided once he was on the pedestal they created for him, they had to start knocking him down. And they continue to do that because now they're scared to death because he called out the fake news media. And uh, that kind of riled them all up a lot. And as Benjamin Franklin said, you never get into a, a battle with people who buy their ink by the barrel. And unfortunately, the president has has proven that that's an uphill battle to try to win. But luckily, there's enough talk radio out there that they've also tried to muzzle. But enough of us out there still that will try to support the truth wherever it may go and uh, try to fix these kinds of problems. Meanwhile, Ryan, uh, what are you hearing uh, out of New Hampshire so far in the office there? Well, uh, good question. I've been I've been the, the, the Congress guy holding up the force here. But, you know, some of the things I've heard actually had an interesting tweet that came out from uh, one of my friends. It's Colin Reed, who is a political analyst here at Fox News, kind of. Um, he, he had an interesting tweet he just put out where he said that he's hearing presidential level turnout in parts of the seacoast. Uh, big turnout there would be a good sign for Nikki Haley. So that that's probably one of the big first updates I've heard, if that makes uh, sense. It's, it's fascinating because we'd heard the same thing earlier. Ryan Schmelz with us, Fox News correspondent, WJR contributor. Uh, this is off the beaten path of what he was scheduled to talk about, but the reality <laughs> is, we, we, but I'm glad because you're that good, you can you can pivot. But the, the point is, we heard early on, uh, some people saying that a thousand people had already voted in their area, and they were in a small town. And they said it's morning, and we had a thousand people, and and that's usually the amount we have at the end of the day. But here we are with the first ballots cast at midnight in Dixville Notch. They had a, yeah. a whopping grand total of six votes, there. but the key was those all six of those votes went to Haley. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I believe uh, John Kasich won that area back in 2016. I think it was split between Kasich and Rubio, and Rubio went on to not have a good New Hampshire, but Kasich had a pretty solid one. Yeah. 
Always interesting, that's for sure, Ryan. Thanks for your help. We appreciate it. I appreciate you, Paul. Thank you so much, as always. Ryan Schmelz, Fox News correspondent, WJR contributor. Back to local news here in a moment with Todd Flood, managing partner of Flood Law, as the court rules which crumbly parent will be tried first for involuntary manslaughter. You probably heard by now, but we'll talk about it. Stay with us. All right. uh, If there is a a momentary silence, it's because I turn my mic off when I'm coughing and struggling to breathe with the schmutz, whatever I have that won't go away. Meanwhile, you already know that the mother of the Oxford High School shooter is going to be the first to stand trial for a front page story today. (coughs) Excuse me. In the Detroit News, crumbly judge seen as patient but thoughtful jurist also known to not suffer fools. Well, we got a guy who knows because he plays in that game, that territory. This is his stage. Todd Flood is managing partner of Flood Law, and we're about to get underway with a precedent-setting, possibly history-making trial, Todd. Good afternoon, Paul W. Yeah, it is. And uh, that's uh, I didn't see the uh, the article today, but that captures Judge Cheryl Matthews, um, can, you know, quite candidly. She she suffers no fool. One, she's a pillar uh, at Oakland County Circuit Court. I've known her for over 20 years. She's an excellent jurist. But, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't want to go in there unprepared or not confident doing this case. So, yeah, I, I, I would imagine uh, both sides are ready to go and um, prepared uh, to get the evidence in. So they're doing the jury selection. We get we skip through all that. We we can't. There's nothing we can say or do about that. But what would you uh, be doing if you were an attorney that was uh, that was charged with defending this mother of the murderer and trying to convince? Uh, everyone that the mother should not be held accountable or responsible for her son's actions. Well, she's got that's that's a mighty lift. But he, you know, as we look at the world around us, there's only two criminal defenses in in criminal law. You know, one is yes, I did it, but yes, I did it, but I was insane. Yes, I did it, but I was acting in self-defense. Yes, I did it, but I was uh, acting in defense of others. That's one defense. Yes, but. The second defense is you got the wrong person. It wasn't me. Uh, you, you, the wrong person was in the chair. And in this particular case, that's the only defense this uh, mother has. And she has to be able to basically point the finger to say, listen, it was the shooter. I had nothing to do with his deranged mind. I did not have any idea that he would be put in this position, that's where, and you're going to have to really know how to surgically uh, make the prosecution, because they're the only ones in that courtroom that has a burden. No one else has a burden. The prosecution does. You're going to have to pierce that, that uh, the holes or put holes into the uh, prosecution's case, and that's how you're going to basically surgically cross-examine witnesses that get up on the stand and have them point out how is it that I was the one that caused this massacre. That's the only defense you could possibly see here. Um, But I will tell you, Paul W., uh, I think we've only seen the tip of the iceberg as far as evidence comes in this case um, against the mother. And I think the prosecution, based on 
um, everything we've seen to date, there's going to be more. Since she's going first, how long before she turns on the husband? <laughs> yeah, great question, Paul W. I, I think uh, she, you will see, you will see possibly, obviously, that's why we have separate trials. This is not a team sport. Um, you will see uh, her pointing the finger at the husband as well in this case. Um, you know, deflecting responsibility and uh, the duty that she she had. I, I believe, candidly, she will point that uh, finger uh, at the husband. I doubt seriously um, that you would see a, I mean, it's possible, but very unlikely, that you'll see a plea deal on the midst and say, hey, listen, I'll cooperate for you against the husband if you give me something. I just don't see that happening. Um, but, you know, uh, uh, Ethan Crumbly, the shooter, he's not gonna he's not gonna testify for her because he's taking the fifth now because he's raising uh, you know, basically an appeal uh, that uh, he, he the judge improperly sentenced him. And if you remember during his allocution and his sentencing, he said, "My parents didn't know anything about it; they couldn't have done anything anyway." Well, um, that was potentially their only good defense. Uh, but that's now gone. That's out the window uh, because uh, the shooters now saying uh, I have to take the fifth because I'm appealing my my sentence by the judge. Well, interesting. I uh, the moment I heard they were going for separate trials, the the first thing I thought of was uh, getting one to turn on the other one. And the other thing I thought was they'll work a deal. And thirdly, though I've never studied it, if somebody would take the time to study historically when it's a husband and wife and the wife turns on the husband, he's the one that does most of the time and she gets the deal. I bet you $1,000 you could research that and find that to be true. What are your thoughts? I, I don't have to. Yeah, I don't have to do the research. We know that to be true, uh, especially in federal cases. You know, uh, where um, where there's a deal done and the, the, the wife may get the pass, especially especially when there's children in the household. Um, I, I see that more often than not. Um, there there used to be, a you know, an unspoken rule that you didn't you didn't prosecute uh, the spouse unless there was obviously conspiracy and cl complicity um, just on face value. It was, couldn't get away from it. But uh, oftentimes, if not most of the times, you will see um, female, the spouse getting a, a deal to cooperate, especially when there's children in the home. Um, the, the reason, the big reason why you have separate trials here is because pointing the finger at each other, um, separate juries, if you had only one jury, it would come back on a reversal. We'd have to do this all over again, right? So it was, I mean, a, a lot of legal uh, uh, minds in the circle from which uh, I walk and work, we're scratching our heads saying, well, wait a second, how are you going to get one jury in this case when you know someone's going to be pointing the finger at the other? It's, it's going to have to be split up, and certainly it was. Um, and otherwise, we'd be doing this all over again if they made that error. You're always helpful, Todd. We'll be leaning on you for the next uh, several weeks through all of this, and we really appreciate your expertise, sir. Paul W., Pleasure is mine. Go Lions. Go Lions is right. Managing partner, Flood Law, Todd Flood. I love the fact that right off the beginning, right after the start, he said there are two defenses. Yes, I did it, but, 
And number two, you got the wrong person. It wasn't me. Uh, fascinating. That, that's, it boils down to that, doesn't it? Well, uh, let's uh, do a quick uh, program note. Uh, it boils down to this. Thursday, we'll be in Lansing, post-State of the State address at uh, the Michigan AARP office there in Lansing. We'll be broadcasting live, and one of our special guests will be the governor uh, talking about her State of the State. And we'll be there J.R. Mornings and the day before, and Marie Osborne will be there as it's happening. So there's a lot going on. Then Friday, we'll be broadcasting live from the Detroit Boat Show at Huntington Place, uh, thanks to uh, Colony Marine and Wallstrom Marine. That's Friday noon to 2 at the Detroit Boat Show. So we, we hope to see you there, and I hope you'll join us live from noon to 2. Or, of course, you can stream us live or go to thegreatvoice.com as we continue. Good afternoon. Nice to be with you always from noon to 2 here on WJR. Are you streaming us yet? You can do it. Stream us live at WJR.com, Alexa, or Google Home. Get the WJR app, always good to have. And then go to thegreatvoice.com for podcasts of the show. I'd love to be with you any time of day or night, from early in the morning to late at night to back early in the morning to midday to whenever. If you go to thegreatvoice.com, you can hear the whole show very quickly, very easily. And we miss you when you don't tune in and spend time with us. The team, the team, the team, Dave Rieger, Danielle Mason, Rich Luzinski uh, working hard and uh, raring to go as the nation's first presidential primary is underway in New Hampshire, where former President Donald Trump, former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, vying for votes to become the Republican nominee to take on President Joe Biden in November. You know the first ballots. We've been reporting it. It's been reported everywhere. The first ballots were cast right at midnight with all six votes in the tiny town of Dixville Notch backing Haley. Now, the latest polls, and really the latest, latest poll will be after the vote and when they get the facts and figures, but the latest polls show that President Trump's lead over Nikki Haley had widened to double digits following his big win in Iowa's caucuses last week. Now, President Biden's name does not appear on the ballot today following an internal party dispute over the primary date. And then there was something that said, I read somewhere saying uh, that uh, the the president's uh, party, the the president's uh, team was trying to do a write-in. But then I read another place where the president's people said they have nothing to do with this write-in effort that was underway. So who knows what's going on? Can't get a straight answer from anyone on anything anymore. So we'll see what happens here. Israel has offered Hamas a two-month ceasefire as part of the prospective deal that would free more than 100 hostages being held in Gaza. That's according to Axios, but who knows if that was said before 21 Israeli soldiers were killed in combat in Gaza yesterday in the biggest single loss of life for Israeli troops since the start of the war. I would presume that would mean everything is off the table other than a massive retaliation that so far has led to over 25,000 Palestinian deaths. And uh, it's astonishing to me how 
they can see Hamas poking the tiger and are shocked when the tiger responds the way everyone knows the tiger will respond. You heard now the Supreme Court allows U.S. Border Patrol agents to remove razor wire deployed by the Texas Republican Governor Greg Abbott's security initiative at the U.S.-Mexico border. Let me tell you something. Those border police and everybody there wants that razor wire. So uh, that, that, that'll never become as big a political issue as, say, abortion, which shouldn't be a big political issue, but it is and will be overwhelmingly so. And if the Republicans don't understand that, then unfortunately they're going to continue to not do well. Dow, uh, the Dow closed above the 38,000 mark for the first time yesterday, building on last week's momentum. The Dow rose 138 points. Now, see, now I'm thinking, Rieger, you probably are sitting there and thinking it doesn't mean anything to you for the Dow to go up like that. And Danielle, you're you're young. You you don't see it as a significant thing in your life. Is that correct or is that not correct? No, I think it's uh, I think it's in very important when the when the Dow does very well. I mean, we all have you know we tar- we all have retirement uh, plans and good for you and, and, and stocks and you know in small investments, four hundred one ks and IRAs. It's all, and so anytime that there's good news with the stock market, it's good for us. Danielle, do you feel that way? Um, I feel like I like when the stocks are up, so that's what I got. <laughs> All right. Well, you're right. You should feel good when they're up because it does affect most everybody, including people who think it has nothing to do with them because they don't think they're out. They picture people out there playing the stock market, sitting with a visor at their computer, trading stocks. Buy, sell, buy, sell. When really, if if you have an IRA or a 401k or anything at all, you're going to be affected in a positive way when things are up. What was that, David? We will have David Sowerby on tomorrow at 1218 to uh, give a recap of uh, what's going on. Excellent. Um, I'm going to say you probably don't use lip balm, but I'm going to say, Danielle, you probably do. I use Blistex. Do you? For, for chap lips, yes. The, yeah, well, good yes, for you. The chap lip, my lip yeah, the, the cold weather all the time, constantly. There's, I, I, there was I, something I forgot what I used to use. Uh, I, I haven't had chap lips a lot lately, but when I would have them, I would, Carmax. Does that make, do you, yep. does that ring a bell? Yeah, I use Carmax and I use uh, Burt's Bees. Burt's Bees. Burt's yeah. Bees is very good. Try Carmax that. is very good. Burt's Bees does nothing for me, yeah. Well, well I would like for you to know that Dave puts on chapstick very seductively. When he puts it on, he really just puts it on. He, I'm, it's like I'm a sorry. little show. I, I'm, listen, I'm I don't know starting if I to get nauseous. Word, I don't know if I would use the word seductively. I'm, I'm really, I would just say, I'm just I, here. Put on chap, put on blistax, okay? I don't. All right, I am here to say this, uh, Danielle, and I'm, I never say never, but I'm going to tell you something. There is no way that Dave Rieger could be putting on the lip balm in any way that would make me feel the way you just described. I'm sorry. I'm so glad you said that, Paul. Well, I mean, you know, a guy's got to say what a guy's got to say. But uh, that's fascinating that Danielle is looking at you that way. I'm admiring him. Wow. This is, uh, do we have to get uh, HR involved here or? No, I am HR. I approve everything. Oh, okay. All right. Well, um, the reason I bring this up is uh, last year, 
Burt's Bees, speaking of Burt's Bees, as you brought up, Danielle, and Hidden Valley Ranch played a trick on customers for April 1st, 2022. They announced a new product, ranch-flavored lip balm. Does anyone remember that? I do not, thankfully. I don't think I remember that, no. For some, it was a dream flavor. Others called it disgusting. Well, then people put two and two together and said, wait a minute, April 1st, this is an April Fool's joke. Well, the joke was on them because it sold out. No way. The Burt's Bees Hidden Valley Ranch lip balm sold out. And so, nothing breeds success like success. Nearly two years later, the two companies are turning that joke into reality. And they've announced they're teaming up to sell a very limited edition Dipper's Lip Balm set. Burt's Bees and Hidden Valley Ranch, which are both owned by the Clorox Company. Boy, that puts the screeching brake halt on that. Clorox? For the lip balm. Anyway, Clorox owns them both, I guess. Burt's Bees and Hidden Valley. You never know who owns anybody anymore. They're offering a four-pack of lip balm for $11.99. All of the flavors relate to buffalo wings. There's celery flavor, carrot flavor, Mm. buffalo, (laughs) didn't get much of a rise, uh, buffalo wings uh, sauce, and Hidden Valley Ranch. Uh, What do you think? I'd buy it. You would buy it? Yeah, I would, because I want to know what they taste like. I might not have them in rotation, as uh, a chapstick I would use, but I, I'd try them. He would. Yeah. Well, let's ask the guy who seductively I'm gonna, on. I'm, gonna, I'm out of this conversation. I, I, I don't think we knew where this conversation was going to go about a minute and a half ago. So. No, we ha- believe me, yeah, I had I no just, idea. Yeah, you know, and that happens when you're here with Danielle, and it is a, it is a good and a bad thing all rolled in one. I I look at it as only a good thing. So I, I'm stepping out of this conversation. I'll stick to the uh, I'll stick to my blistex. Thanks. I, I'll buy one for him. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't know. I just uh, I you know do you do you announce to people that you have that on before you kiss them, or would you really want somebody that you're kissing to think you just finished uh, you know a a a a wing? I don't think I would tell them. And so they would kiss you and go, oh, did, did, did you have a buffalo wing for lunch? Mm. I wouldn't tell them for sure. Oh, boy. I would be playing jokes. Okay. You wouldn't be worried they'd think you didn't brush your teeth after you ate that food. No, I don't really have any. Um, I don't get embarrassed easily. So. Oh, okay. All right. That's Good for, for sure. <laughs> Says the guy in the booth <laughs> alongside her. They know each other in ways that none of us can even imagine. That's uh, that's a fact. I can guarantee that. All right. Uh, we've got lots to do and a busy week. We'll close out the week with some good stuff for Thursday from Lansing with the governor and the post-state uh, of the state address. And uh, J.R. Mornings will be there. Marie Osborne will be there. Uh, I think Chris will be there. I think everybody virtually is going to be there. And the poor engineers are going to be working in three different locations at once. Um, and then on Friday from the boat show, we're looking forward to that for Wallstrom Marine, Colony Marine. And uh, we'll tell you more about that as we get on top of it. So it's a busy week. And uh, I see uh, what what looks like just rain right now. 
uh, coming out. I'm sure it's still slippery in many areas, so be aware of that. Although I did hear earlier, we heard uh, Renee say it was getting better on the road, so I'm going to hold her that. And we'll see what uh, Rinch Lazinski has to say, too, with our WJR Traffic and Weather First. Stay with us right here. I don't try to hide the fact uh, that when there are guests that I have on that I appreciate, that I uh, admire and respect and, and just in general like, and that goes for our next guest, and we appreciate Mayor Mike Duggan and all the jobs he's done in serving Michigan, and he's done many of them and done them well. Uh, the biggest acclaim right now is as the mayor of this great comeback city of Detroit, and I can't think, honestly, was there or is there or has there ever been a better time to be the mayor of Detroit, uh, smack dab in the uh, the whole University of Michigan thing, because I know the, the two of us are huge Michigan guys, to see all of that, To you went, you experienced all of it, and then to have our Lions doing what they're doing. I mean, is there... I, I would quote to Jim Harbaugh, who's got it better than us, Mr. Mayor? Uh, you know, the same week to see the Lions, uh, Michigan win a national championship and the Lions uh, win the first playoff game uh, in more than 30 years, then they go out and, and win another one. Uh, uh, I get up every morning smiling right now, and I hope it lasts <laughs> a little bit longer. I Paul W., I, I remember a time in uh, 1996, you had me on your radio show regularly, when we were trying to pass the stadium ballot issue to build Ford Field uh, in Comerica Park at the city of Detroit. Imagine how different the history would be uh, if the Lions were still in Pontiac. Oh, my God. You're absolutely right, and I'm glad you remember that. And I remember so fondly being there uh, and at the, at the groundbreaking, and I still have the construction helmet. I just got another one at that University of Michigan Innovation Center. The difference on the one I just got, um, is that uh, in the old days, back in 96, I was able to get my helmet signed by you, uh, uh-huh. and Mike Illich, and uh, right. and a whole bunch, uh, probably Bill Ford. I'm not sure, everybody. Right, Bill Ford. It was Bill Ford. Yeah, so uh, there's some great memories, Mr. Mayor, and you have overseen so many good things that I was so happy for you to see your happiness and your enthusiasm as you announced yesterday, just how well we've done with residential property values in our city. Not just a couple of places, but in every neighborhood. Uh, Every neighborhood uh, appreciated last year, but citywide, 23% growth in property values. And, of course, under the Michigan Constitution, your taxes only go up 5%, which means uh, it's double good news uh, for Detroiters. And uh, to add $1.7 billion in wealth for Detroit homeowners in one year. I mean, it's what we've been working for. And it's got to feel good when you are working so hard for something like that, and it works. I see a couple of different stories here. One is Sarah Rahal in the Detroit News. One is Dana Afana in the Detroit Free Press. One of them says, in 2017, the value of Detroit homes was $2.8 million. Is that possible? Two In 2017... It's tripled in seven years. Because, yeah, so because, I don't know. Well, but they you know, say here, they say, they say here, and this, I don't know if this, I can't do math quickly. In 2017, the value of Detroit homes was $2.8 million, and today the value of Detroit homes is $8.7 billion. Right. Right. 
It's tripled in seven years. So I don't. I know you're a great stock picker, but how many of the stocks <laughs> you bought in 2017 have gone up 300 percent? You should have been buying. <laughs> when I heard you say that last night, it's exactly what I said. God, I should have been buying property in Detroit. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm happy, as you know. A lot of people left when things were tough, uh, and the homeowners who stayed uh, have seen their personal wealth. Uh, grow dramatically because, of course, most people's primary source of wealth is the value of their home. And I'm just really happy. Every place I've been in Detroit the last couple of days, people are smiling and shaking my head. And of course, they know what's been happening. But when you saw the numbers of the overall magnitude, I think it really kind of hit home. Well, it does hit home and uh, it does make people smile. And it did not come without a tremendous amount of work on your part and on your team and on the part of many, many other people that have believed in Detroit. You know, Mayor Mike Duggan with us, you you talked about some people had to leave, but many people stayed, and you've never forgotten. You know, as much effort as there is uh, across the board to try to get more people to come here, more people to build a life here, start a business, you've not forgotten the people who did stay and and went through a hell of a lot to stay and now they're getting the benefit as well. Well, I got elected by the people who stayed, not the people who moved out. Then I got reelected twice uh, by the people who stayed. And uh, that put a lot of responsibility, a lot of pressure, uh, because they were expecting uh, things to get better. Uh, but it's been, you're right, it's been a lot of people. I mean, when you have the lowest uh, number of homicides in more than half a century, you know, the city safer you see the rebuilding of the parks the park department has done that's lifted everybody's spirits and of course the police and the ambulance show up on time now the street lights work there's so many different ways that we have improved the quality of life and it's paying off for our residents and i so remember when one of your biggest pushes was to get the street lights turned back on and now when we look back at that we say are you kidding me that was it and that was it and it was that important but let's not forget those those little steps that became major steps and major issues that have really paid off. You remember, get the street lights on. What? Well, what's happened is, uh, and, and we're having now more vacant houses being renovated than knocked down, because for a long time, you get a vacant house, you have to put 75000 into it, and it's only worth fifty. Now you put 75000 into it, and it's worth a hundred or 125000 And so what's happening is vacant houses across the city are being renovated and families moving in. And that's what's created the, uh, the momentum on the property values. We're putting these, these really solid brick homes uh, back into good use. Well, God bless you for all the hard work, and, uh, and it's paid off in so many ways. Quick question, because it's a story right above the – uh, city's property values up, residential worth uh, climbed 23% last year. The story right above it is uh, Detroit redistricts redraw is prompting scrutiny. As the redistricting, this is Beth LeBlanc, as the redistricting commission moves to redraw several Detroit house districts, Arab American and Hispanic communities are voicing concerns about what the rearrangement will mean for their communities. Any, You have any thoughts on this redistricting? No. Now, seven of the nine city council districts are divided by population. And on the east side, there was more population loss than the west side. So you've got to make your east side districts a little bigger 
it means you got to shrink a few someplace else. And so uh, they need to do it in a way that traditional neighborhoods aren't split up. But it shouldn't be nearly as much drama uh, as it is, and I'm sure they'll work it out. You know, that kind of sums you up as we say goodbye and thank you for checking in with us. You've never been a high-drama guy. You've really been kind of a meat-and-potatoes straight shooter. So when I saw you as enthusiastic and as excited as you were last night when you were telling the world about property values and this great news, it just made me smile and realize how big a deal it was to see how excited you were. And that's a good feeling, Mr. Mayor. Keep up the good work, will you please? And go Lions. Go Lions. Go, we, we already did the Go Michigan. That's been great. And now to be mayor of the city that has this football team uh, is just incredible. Dr. Sonia is all in, I'm sure. Uh, she uh, is a total Jared Goff fan. That took a while, but she's all there now. So, okay. uh, life is good. It took a while for a lot of people. All right. Mayor Mike Duggan, uh, best to Dr. Sonia. And uh, Go Lions is right. Here we go. Thank you, Thank you sir. Mike Duggan has done, for 16 straight months, Miami led the country in this whole real estate thing. They were the hot city. Uh, Everybody in Washington, D.C. wanted to talk about what was uh, uh, that, what was going on. And then Detroit has displaced Miami. And the statistic they use is, well, looking back to last year, whose property values increased the most in home ownership, who would have ever thought We'd see the day that the value of homeowners in Detroit is exceeding the rest of America. That was in Dana Afana's free press story. And and you you can't, this is no small feat and never to be taken for granted the job that uh, the leadership of Mayor Mike Duncan Duncan has caused to happen. It's just great news. The celebration continues with our Detroit Lions and people are buying as much uh, stuff as they can uh, Detroit Lions NFC Championship gear in hot demand. And a guy who knows a thing or two about this, in fact, knows a lot about it, owns three stores uh, called Fanatic U. It's Greg Every, the president, on the other end of our line. Greg, hi, it's Paul W. Smith. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me on. I remember in, in the early 80s, you, I think, started as Action Toy Company. And you yes, had a booth did. out at the Gibraltar Trade Center, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Selling those barking dogs, those buggies that hit a wall and flip over and go back. I've been a hustler since I was eight years old, selling golf balls back to golfers from my, uh, from my house. Good for you. So what's, <laughs> what's really in hot demand? And more importantly, what can we still get in time to have for this weekend? Anything Lions. Lions stuff is as hot as it ever gets. Michigan National Champs was good last week, and we're still selling a little bit of it, but the Lions playoff stuff is just going crazy. Um, I still have plenty of styles. I always buy enough. Sometimes my wife says too much. But uh, <laughs> um, but I have coming in, I have the uh, conference matchup, which everybody's asking for, and I uh, I have them coming in. They're, we're waiting for the shipment. It's uh, It's got two opposing helmets, San Francisco-Detroit. And I got a feeling we'll be selling another shirt in a couple of weeks that's going to have uh, two different or the same the Lions helmet versus, you know, Kansas City or whoever whoever makes it out of the AFC. So was there, excuse me, was there anything that sold out? Oh, I sold out. I'm on my third reorder of the uh, oh. Blue NFC North, uh, my second reorder of the 
women's and men's uh, NFC playoff one. I've reordered three times the locker room champ cap, but now you can't get them anymore because it's sold everyone they had. And uh, we're almost out of that third order, too. It's, it's just been crazy keeping up in stock. But, you know, it's been a bleak eight years. Uh, you know, it's been yeah. a tough time for, for our pro team since 2015. It has been a bleak uh, couple of years. I'm going to ask them to redial you. Guys, do you hear that uh, clicking noise? It's um, probably the rain in the roof of my Jeep. I'll go inside. I'm, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually at the bank right now. So we're gonna... Well, of course you're at the bank. Business has been good. <laughs> <laughs> Business has been really good. What has has anything surpassed the old "Bless you, boys" Tiger T-shirts? Well, that's when I started. That's how I got in the business. And like I said, ninety-seven wings, ninety-eight wings was unbelievable. This this run right now with the Lions is going to surpass it. It's been that crazy. I mean, everybody. It's been you know, geez, fifty-seven since they won anything, ninety-one since they won the division. People are going crazy. That you know, some people came in. They go, I don't have anything Lions. You know, it just and I, I I believe it. You know, we make our money off the fan bandwagon fans. You know, the the diehards will always come in, but you know, and now everybody's like, "Holy cow, man, these guys are hot!" You know, I have a friend of mine who says you're not going to wear it until they're in the Super Bowl. I said, "Well, you're going to be wearing it next week." He goes, "Yep, I got a feeling I am." He's he's excited already. You know, so it's good. <laughs> How great is that? Now, I, I, is Action Sportswear what you call the company, or Fanatic U still? Or it, it, that, Fanatic U is our DBA. Action Sportswear is like kind of the parent company. I just I, I, I play that off after we quit selling toys and started selling Blesky Boys and Tigers and all those other shirts. We said, well, toys doesn't really match for me to Action Sportswear. Yeah. So uh, tell my uh, tell my listeners how they can get in touch with you, and if they can't come into one of your three stores, they can get this stuff right away. What do they well, have to do? They, we have a Garden City store, which is on Ford Road in Henry Ruff in Garden City. We have a Southgate store in Eureka next to the Tim Hortons and Allen Road. And then we have our Detroit stores right across the street on Brush Street between the Gem and the um, Elwood Diner. So, and then uh, we're, we're looking to actually to have a possibly signing a lease in somewhere in Southfield Warren area. We'll let everybody know when that happens. So. All right. So it, it's not something you would suggest trying to get shipped to them at this point, this well, late date. We do have online, um, but, you know, when you go online with fanaticu.com, you have an option to pick it up at the store. So that, and that's what everybody's doing because, you know, you can't trust the uh, mail, especially if you order some on Friday. It's tough to get, you know, on Saturday. So yeah, fanaticu.com. The, just the letter U dot com, yep, dot com. Yep. and uh, you can go online. You can see all this stuff, and uh, and it's a good idea to, if you're going to buy it, order it, buy it, and then uh, go pick it up rather than yeah. uh, hoping pick that up, it pick gets up to you. All right, uh, let me ask. Uh, let's see if uh, Dave Rieger, do you have any questions, Rieger? I just wanted to uh, know exactly if they do win the NFC Championship and make it to the Super Bowl, how quickly will you be able to get NFC Championship gear in and also Super Bowl champion and also the Super Bowl uh, game? You know, That's a great question. Like that. I really want to know. They call, it's funny. They'll call right after the game ends. Uh, do you, go, you know, we can't, exactly. can't pre right. this, this round. We can during the when they win it all. But I will have some on-site business. Twitter's on-site. I'm going to try to have it. Uh, you know, Monday morning when we open, but usually sometimes the printers, you know, they're printing thousands and thousands of shirts. So, you know, Monday, Monday by noon, afternoon, sometime on Monday, we hope to get the stock, get in the stock. But if I have it, you know, pay attention to our, uh, we have a, you know, Facebook page, Fanatic U Southgate or Fanatic U Detroit, and uh, we were putting a big announcement on there. We text, we have a text thread that for any people that have come to our store, we can opt to have text messages sent to you. But 
we're we're to have it. We'll have all you know all our mannequins outside. The windows will all have it in the window. We'll, you know, if you're driving by, you'll see it in the windows. And we'll have we have you know I think 1,500 shirts ordered for that after that I got thousands of shirts coming in behind it. So and yeah. and hats. It's going to be oh yeah, hats. I I enjoy. I like a hat every once in a while. So yeah, hats well, will be hats will be cool. We're in the locker room right away. Yeah, the locker room hats would be awesome. That'll be Tuesday or Wednesday for sure. All right. Thanks, Greg. We appreciate it very much. Good luck uh, to you. Go Lions. Thank you. Have a great right. day. Greg Every, I for you, I, the line was just bad. We need to buy him a new phone, I think, plus all the cutting out there. But you get the idea. It's fanaticu.com. Get an idea of what he has as it comes in. Uh, buy it. Go pick it up. Greg Every will be ready for you, and he'll have all the good stuff and will continue to do so. It's a great time to be a Lions fan. Stay with us. You know, it's it's hard to step back for a moment and think about everything that's going on because we're so excited about what has happened and what continues to happen with our Detroit Lions now. And uh, let's talk about starting the year off on the right foot and the right year to start off on the right foot because what we've got going here now is probably the biggest year this city has ever had by the time we get through the year. I hope that makes some sense. I know it does to Claude Molinari, our friend, who is the great president and CEO of Visit Detroit, who is very much gauging, paying attention to the Lions' uh, run and how it spurred a, an economic surge in the city that starts here, but is going to build through the NFL draft. It couldn't have happened at a better time, could it, Claude? No, Paul W., you are bang on right. This is uh, fantastic for us and fantastic for our region, and we're so thrilled about the Lions and, and what's happening for all of us. You know, I was reading in uh, Crane's uh, Detroit Business about some of the reactions, some of the people they spoke with, uh, including Chris Moyer uh, of your visit, Detroit. He's the senior director of communications, and he shared with Cranes the undeniable impact of the team's success. And, and here's what we're seeing. And, and, I mean, in a simple way, we're seeing the city look great. There are people who now know we have a riverfront that never knew it. I loved what what the national television networks were doing. I loved, I got excited about the flying picture of the Ambassador Bridge. I, I To the point of where I contacted Matt Maroon and I said, congratulations, the bridge has never looked better. And all the things that they were doing, that's the beginning of a very important year for us. Well, there's no question about it. I mean, the economic impact for the region, hotels, restaurants, bars, parking, I mean, it, it trickles down all throughout the economy and it's a huge benefit. So when something is super for our self-esteem and gives us great prestigious views of our city, our region. And then it also has major economic benefits to the entire region. That's a fantastic combination. We'll take that every year. I'm, I'm certain that you will. We won't get it every year, but we're going to do the best we can to play off of what we have already. Claude Molinari, president, CEO of Visit Detroit. And with your partners, there are so many of them, but I think of, of good old Terry Radigan and the Detroit Sports Commission and everything else. Uh, it's just, uh, what what can we, the people, do 
to be the ambassadors you need us to be for all the visitors coming to town uh, that came to town for the Lions that will be coming to town or now thinking about it even more so for the NFL draft. Yeah, just stay awesome. You know, like we've got great people, great friendly people. Um, uh, so often people come here and they always tell me that they're shocked at how beautiful and, and vibrant the city is and how friendly the people are. I, it's almost insulting. I want to say to them, like, what were you expecting? This place is fantastic. And, again, we're so thrilled about the benefits that the whole region is seeing. Um, you know, a typical Lions game is worth a 10% boost in hotel occupancy. We think these last two games uh, will add 25% boost to hotel occupancy for the region. And that's, wow. that's real dollars putting real people to work. This is a this is going to be a once in a lifetime year. Now we're open to it happening again and again, but the point is we're on a roll now. That's so very important. It's so timely for the city to look so good uh, to the country and to the world who've been tuning in for these games, and we will continue to do that. And I know there's a lot of work that's underway. Well, heck, there's so many things going on today. The reigning Indianapolis 500 champions receiving the Baby Borg Warner trophies at the Henry Ford. That was happening uh, today, uh, this afternoon, in fact, still to come. Uh, and, and that's a very big deal for the race that will be this summer. And all the other good things that are planned that, we, uh, that Roger Penske and Bud Denker and Michael Montry and Ray Scott have going for the Detroit yeah, Grand Prix. Name- I'm sorry, go ahead. You're naming some great partners. No, I'm just going to say you're naming some great partners there. We love working with Michael, Roger, and Bud. They're great friends of ours, and we're certainly pleased to be a partner in the Grand Prix, and they're helping us with the NFL draft along with several others. You know, certainly Rocket Mortgage and Mr. Gilbert have been outstanding partners, and we just, we're so thrilled, and there's so much, you know, we still have all this construction going on. We'll have new hotels to host these events, and I just think our future is so bright. I'm so optimistic, I can barely stand it. Well, I can hear that, uh, Claude, but you've done such a great job. You and your team have done such a great job, and, and I know you will continue to do so. We mentioned the uh, Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix presented by Lear, and uh, we've been going on the air, and I put in my newspaper column that they are looking for volunteers to uh, to work at the event May 31st through June 2nd on the streets of the Motor City. Uh, are there volunteers that you'll need for the NFL draft as well? Yes. Yes, we will. But the good news is that volunteers in the lexicon of the National Football League, they call them teammates, and everybody gets paid. So wow. these jobs will be paid. We're going to need 4,000 people. If people go to visitdetroit.com, and uh, click on the links that will put them where they need to be. They'll be able to sign up and get, uh, you know, volunteer slash really teammate work. So, and again, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be a living wage and uh, very competitive, and we're going to make the premium on having our local Detroit uh, residents, um, you know, get first look. But then after that, it's going to be uh, a lot of people from all over the region who will be able to work if they're interested in it. And, again, great weekend. A lot of fun in the middle of the action and uh, a nice uh, compensation as well. Wow, that is spectacular. That I'm glad I asked the question. So there's a lot that goes into that NFL draft. And the fact that, that volunteers are doing more than volunteering, they become a teammate and that they will be paid. Uh, and talk about having one of the best seats in the house, depending on what jobs they ask you to do. But uh, it's worth looking into at visitdetroit.com. 
visitdetroit.com. What else do we need to know, Claude Molinari? You know, we are uh, a little more than 90 days away from the draft. I remember when we uh, unveiled the countdown clock at the announcement, it was 700 days, and I was like, oh, my gosh, that feels like forever. Now we're <laughs> deep in the thick of it, and, you know, we're working with all our partners, the city of Detroit, the downtown Detroit partnership, rocket companies. You know, we've, uh, we're deep in, into it now, and we're starting to make some big decisions on getting ready. So um, I'm excited and, 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 you know, a little nervous. A little nervous. Well, that's good. And every great performer gets a little nervous, no matter how many times they've done their their performance. They get a little nervous before each one. And Paul, this is Paul. Hopefully, the people of Detroit are hoping that the the Lions have the last pick of the first round of that draft too. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and we know there are some very well known local kids that are going to be in that draft, that we'll have a vested interest in following uh, and seeing how they do without starting to name them all and then forgetting of some. Claude Molinari, any way we can help, you know WJR, the great voice of the Great Lakes, will always be there for you. Paul W., you're the best. You've been such a champion for us. I personally want to thank you for everything you've done. And, uh, you know, you're just a champion, and we appreciate you so much. Claude Molinari, president and CEO of Visit Detroit. Stand by for news. Uh, we got lots going on, including Chris Renwick uh, for JR Afternoon. You're on your way to making each and every day count each day as a gift. Regards, Paul W. Smith.